Paul said, yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. And more than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. It's an old preacher by the name of Fred Craddock, and he is widely regarded as one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century. His sermons have been published time and time again. Uh, Some preachers like to seal his sermons and claim them as their own. He is a well-known preacher. But before he was a well-known preacher, he was a Christian. Just like you, just like me. And during the heights of the Civil Rights Movement, Fred Craddock was driving across country. And he found himself one morning in northern Mississippi. And he wanted to stop at a diner for breakfast. So he pulled over at this no-name town, the no-name diner, and he walked in. And it was just a cook work. And he ordered a coffee and, let's say, a pancake or something. So the cook got to working on it, and at about the time, a young black man walked into the diner. And he went up to the bar, and he sat right next to Fred Craddock, and he ordered a coffee. And the cook turned around and looked at him and said, get out. The man said, excuse me? The cook said, we don't serve your kind here. The man just couldn't believe it. He said, what are you talking about? He said, did you not see the sign on the door when you walked in? It says, whites only. And the young man said, well, my money's as good as his, pointing right next to him at Fred Craddock. And the cook said, you better get out before I put you out. And with that, the man stood up and he left the diner. Fred Craddock stayed. He finished his coffee. He finished his breakfast. He paid his bill, and then he got ready to leave, and he went outside to his car. And right before he opened the car door, in the far distance, he heard the rooster crow. And that's where I pause this. Because for some of you, this story is a timely reminder of really how far we haven't come as a country. For some of you, like I told the story to the choir on Wednesday night, and Glenn Vincent was here, he can remember that happening to him as a young boy. But for others of you, you know that what stopped Craddock in his steps was that when he heard the rooster crow in the distance, he remembered Peter. And he remembered that Jesus had said, before the rooster crows, you will have denied me three times. And so Craddock, sitting there, standing there at the edge of his car, hearing the rooster in the, di- in the distance, he knew that God was speaking to him. And that God was saying, you have just denied Jesus. Now, if Fred had been any other kind of man, he could have heard that story, or he could have had that experience. He could have gotten his car, driven away, and it wouldn't have meant a thing to him. But Craddock had grown up in the church. He knew the stories of Scripture, such that when he heard that rooster crow in the distance, it changed his life forever. Immediately following that, he committed himself to the civil rights movement and was a pioneer for white preachers at the time. But it was only because he knew the story such that he could hear God call to him through a rooster in a difference. This whole month, we're diving deep into why we do what we do as Christians. Last week, we spent a whole service talking about why we worship the way we do. And today, all we're talking about is why we study. 
Why do we read the Bible? Why do we pick a couple verses to talk about on Sunday? Why do we have Bible studies and Sunday school classes? And the simple answer to it is, we study the Bible because this story, it's our story. Whenever we open it up, whenever we're at home or in church, when we pull this book open, it's like we get to enter into the strange new world of the Bible, one that shines a light on what our lives really look like here and now. Paul, in his letter to Philippi, what Michael read for us, he gets really personal. And preachers like me were taught to do the opposite. We're not supposed to stand in a place like this and talk about our experience of faith. We're supposed to stand to the side and point away from ourselves to the cross. And I think that's pretty good advice. Because there's far too much of a temptation for people like me to stand here and say, this is what you have to do to be a Christian. And at the end of it, it sounds more like, follow me, than it does follow Jesus. But Paul, Paul got really personal in his letter. He laid it all out for the church. He said, I have every reason to boast in the world. I was the Jew of all Jews. I followed the law. I was blameless in everything I did. I even persecuted the church. Yet whatever I gain in the world, I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. Paul's story is a powerful one. But it's only powerful when we know the whole story. We can read his letters to the different churches. We can reflect on his theology. But we have to know who Paul was for it to make sense. Because Paul was so zealous in his faith that he murdered Christians. He killed countless Christians before Jesus encountered him on the road to Damascus. And it was in God's strange wisdom that the greatest persecutor of the church became her greatest missionary. We can't read Paul's letters without knowing that before Paul was Paul, he killed Christians. When we study this story we realize that it's our story. Years ago, I was working on a sermon on a Thursday morning in a coffee shop. It's one of my habits. Even now, on Thursday mornings, I usually put on my clergy collar, you know, that white tab. I go to a coffee shop, whether it's a local coffee shop or a Starbucks, and I sit down with my computer and my Bible and some notes. And I do it because it's really fun to make people uncomfortable. You know, if you walk into a coffee shop and you see some guy tucked in the corner with a collar and all this stuff, you tend to avoid him. And frankly, that's kind of the idea. Everyone leaves me alone. <laughs> I've been doing it for years now. Every Thursday, I go to a coffee shop for a sermon. But on this particular Thursday morning, a long time ago, there was someone who walked in who wasn't going to leave me alone. When the door opened, I could smell him before he even walked in. And he looked around the coffee shop and he saw me saw my collar, perhaps saw the Bible, and he beelined straight for me. And before I even knew what he was doing, he was falling on the ground and he started kissing my feet. He was calling me Father. I think he thought I was a Catholic priest. And he started sort of sobbing and telling me his story, but when he could tell that everyone was staring at us, he asked if we could talk outside. And so I stood him up, we went outside, we sat down on the bench together, and I said, tell me your story. And so he did. He told me about how he lost job after job, how his bank account was completely wiped out. He'd been kicked out of every homeless shelter we had in town. And the story went on and on, and to be honest, I stopped listening. Because I've heard that story over and over and over again. Countless people have asked me for help because of a collar, because of a Bible, and I know that I wasn't being real with him. 
and my vision started to wander, and I wasn't really paying attention. And he got to the end of whatever it was he was saying, he said, but man, what I really need is a ride to Richmond. He said, I know there's services there. I know there's better homeless shelters. Maybe I can get a fresh start in Richmond. And I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm sure I started making excuses. Hey, man, I can't drive to Richmond today. I've got to go back to church. I've got to finish my sermon. Here's a couple dollars, something like that. And while I was going on making my excuses, he stood up and he left me there while I was talking. And my voice trailed off as he kind of made it to the corner, but right before he went around out of my vision, he looked right back at me and he said, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he disappeared. And that moment has so haunted me in the years since. Because I know my Bible. And I know that he was quoting the beginning of the story of the Good Samaritan. About the man who had been left on the side of the road. And that a priest came by, saw him, and did nothing. And it was in his reciting of scripture to me. That I heard God saying to me, you are the priest that failed to show love and mercy. So when we know the story of the Bible, when we know who we are and who we are, we can hear God talking to us. We can hear God's story in our own story, but only if we have ears to hear. On Monday morning, I came into the church, and I was sitting in my office, and Louise was there. And a man walked in through our main doors upstairs, and we could smell him before he came in. And we invited him into my office, and he sat down. And he started telling me his story. He told me about how his bank accounts were empty, how he'd gone from job to job, how he was hungry, how he had nothing. And I could hear it again in myself. I stopped listening. Because that's the thing about me. I can be really judgmental and I can be really suspicious. Every time I give money to somebody on the side of the road, instead of doing it faithfully, I always wonder, what are they going to do with it? That's the kind of person I am. And so I was sitting in my office listening to this guy, but not really listening to him. And he went on and on, and then finally something caught my attention because he said, but man, what I really need is a ride to Charlotte, North Carolina. I said, I'm really sorry, I, I, can't, I can't drive you to Charlotte today, but the church, I mean, we, we can buy you a bus ticket. How's that sound? And he just beamed from ear to ear. And so I got on my computer, and I ordered him a mega bus ticket that was going to leave from Union Station in D.C., and I knew that he would have a hard time getting there, so I got him in my car, I gave him a couple dollars, and we drove to the VRE station. And we talked in the car ride about the change in weather and the leaves falling and Virginian hospitality and all that kind of good stuff. And when we got to the VRE station, I pulled over and I got out of my car to open the door for him. And as I was getting ready to say goodbye and wish him luck, he grabbed me by the shoulders and he said, hey, can I pray for you? Now let me be clear, I didn't ask to pray for him, he asked to pray for me. And so staggering, he held my shoulders and prayed for me. And after he said amen, he looked me in the eyes and he said, as you have done unto the least of these, so you have done unto me. I know, Elijah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> and of course, Tuesday morning, we came in the office and there was a message on the machine that he had made it to his daughter's house safely in Charlotte, North Carolina, that he was so excited about getting to start over and how thankful he was that our church wanted to help him. Amen. But friends, 
I got to tell you, I'm not proud of what I did. I mean, I'm really happy that he made it to Charlotte. I'm really grateful that we could help him. But I'm not proud of what I did because I didn't want to do it. I only did it because I know the story that has become my own story. I only did it because of those words that have haunted me in the years since, that a man was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho. But that's the thing about Scripture. That's the thing about this story. It shows up in our lives when we least expect it, and it changes our lives forever. It can be something as simple as a rooster in the distance or as profound as a man who needs a ride. We study God's word because God is always talking to us if we have ears to hear. Because when we know the story that is our story, we can become attuned to God's frequency in the world. We can hear that rooster. We can see the man in need and listen. And then let that moment change our lives just as God changed the lives of countless people in the Bible. Paul, in his letter He says he wants to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. If you're like me, if you're like Paul, you want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You want to feel and know that power here and now in this life. So friends, hear me when I say for all of us, the only way we can know and experience the power of Jesus' resurrection is when we read the Bible. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God now and forever. Amen. Amen.